Live to see it, friends. You're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T.com. Or go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we take a kind of an unusual view of what's happening in the world today, where the world is going, and uh, what, uh, what kind of future that uh, we can expect to see. And that view is summarized as follows. If you're not excited about the future, you're not paying attention. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hey, Stephen, how are you? I'm great, Phil. How are you? I'm super fantastic, ready for part two of our big show on long shot futures. I thought we had uh, a lot of fun with that last week, and we were just going over the list here, uh, getting ready to talk about it this week. I think we've got more topics than we're going to be able to fit into into two hours of uh, radio programming. What do you think? <laughs> Well, uh, if if we want to go over it, tonight, would be a, an appropriate time. We certainly have a lot of talk, a lot to talk about, a lot to cover, even though we've already spent an hour on the topic. So, um, anyway, hang on. Uh, we've got we've got uh, lots to lots to say. So we, we've we've got a lot uh, we've got a lot to cover. And uh, one of the one of the ideas that um, uh, Mike, Michael Darling said last week after the show, our, our normal chat, regular chat host, I won't say normal, I don't know if normal, if that word really completely applies uh, for Michael, but our regular chat host um, suggested that uh, we make the regular feature, and I think that's, uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, no, I, think it, I think it does. I, we should also introduce the uh, Michael that's handling the chat room tonight. Yes, we have with us uh, the return of El Jefe himself, Michael Sargent, is uh, back on Fast Forward Radio uh, with us. Michael, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, very excited about the future of the next hour and a half. All right. Yeah. Well, we we, we actually uh, we cheat that hour and a half. We keep it to an hour show, even though we uh, we schedule a 90-minute show. It's uh, one way of seeing if the audience is paying attention. If uh, if, if they if they keep listening after that uh, first hour is up, we know that. Uh, actually, what do we know? What does that tell us? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. That we have a very <laughs> eager uh, eager audience. I guess I don't know what that would tell us. But. It tells us something. But. All right. uh, but actually, we, we try to keep it to an hour, um, and since we go over a little, we we we, uh, we hook we sign up for the next biggest slot. Since uh, sometimes we, especially the music we play at the end, tends to go over just a little bit. So, so um, Stephen, anything anything new with you this week? Any uh, major developments that uh, we should be in on? No, not really. Um, I know that uh, big things are happening in Denver. Uh, that's where you both you and Michael Sargent are uh, are tonight. Um, how crowded is Denver? Uh, I mean, the, the Democratic Convention starts when? Tomorrow? Uh, yeah, it starts tomorrow. And uh, I should say Michael is actually uh, down in the Springs area. And I'm about halfway between Denver and there, being in uh, uh, the, the very bottom of south suburban Denver. But uh, close enough that we can uh, we can definitely uh, feel it going on. No other reason, just all the hype in the local media. It's, uh, it's become this... Uh, well, just this very exciting thing, I guess, for the local news stations to talk about in the papers and that sort of thing. But uh, if you stay out of downtown, you really wouldn't know anything was going on. And uh, and I haven't been uh, downtown Denver since I went to a Rockies game about a week and a half ago. But uh, I think any, anybody trying to do anything like that this weekend is definitely in for a lot of traffic and a lot of uh, extra, uh, I don't know, security and being photographed and uh, just just trying to get through things than uh, than they would normally encounter, but uh, that's that's where our chat host Michael Darling, our our regular chat host Michael Darling is. He's uh, participating in the DNC, so we're hoping. I don't think he'll be back next week, but week after next, we'll get a full report from him on uh, what went down at the DNC, the the true raw gritty inside story. <laughs> yeah, we 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 want to know details. So, any rate, uh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we got we got our man or we got our man on the scene, don't we? Um, we should mention that we have kind of a contest going um, involving a uh, coffee mug uh, to the to the person who either in text chat or who calls in who has the best idea for long shot futures, and we already have had some participation last week. That's right. We we had uh, we had well. Let me see what what was our big uh, what was our big contribution from the uh, fr- from the fan base last week. What did uh, what did people contribute i'm, I'm um, let's see uh, I'm, yeah michael doing in in the text chat brought up faster than light travel matt uh, yeah that's right yeah, yeah matt excuse me matt doing uh i brought up uh, faster than light travel and uh um he 
thought that it's a true long shot. We're talking. Uh, we ha- we had a scale that we said you know ten being impossible and uh, and one being very very likely. Uh, he he gave it an eight or nine on the long shot scale. So. Um, uh, anyway, but you had said last week that you were going to explain to us how uh, faster than light travel might actually be within the realm of possibility. So we're going to get into that later this this in the show as well. That one is on the list. So we will be working through that. And uh, all of those who are who are listening, if you want to uh, participate in the discussion, if you have a great idea for a long shot future, a future that's not terribly likely but that you're rooting for. Uh, and you want to talk to us about it, give us a call at 347-215-8972 or join us in our live chat. And uh, as Stephen said, the uh, fast-forward radio listener who comes up with the best long-shot future, the one we like the best, we're going to award them with one of our coveted, highly exclusive, hard-to-get-your-hands-on. There's only one other one like it in the world, fast-forward radio coffee mugs. And in fact, our... uh, yeah, we got a, we got an email from the uh, uh, from the winner of the last coffee mug says that uh, the coffee's just extra good out of the fast forward radio coffee mug. So um, yeah, and, and he co- commented on the beauty of it too. So um, <laughs> it's it's beautiful. Coffee tastes good out of it, and it's it's exclusive. And as we've said in the past, I think it's kind of a starter Nobel Prize. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's right. You win one of these, and you're kind of you're working your way up to bigger stuff. So this is a this is a great place to start. And Harvey Harvey has his. So, uh, by the way, Harvey, you're disqualified this time around. If you uh, if 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 you make great uh, long shot contributions, um, they're Thank just you. But, good uh, for the world. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. not for a coffee mug this time. We got we got to share the love. Okay, so let's uh, let's dig into it. I would like to let's see. Let's start with um, let's talk about the poll that we have got running on the uh, speculist right now about the future of fueling automobiles. Now, this is something we had a poll, and then we didn't have a poll, and now we have a poll. So, right. Well, with that? Um, well, I had uh, I saw on Instapundit, uh, Glenn had had a polling system that he was using uh, to ask some questions, and I said, cool. I, so I clicked through, uh, got that system, and and wrote, you know, and it, and it gave me like 10 different you know, options. You know, you ask a question, and then you can give your your readers of the poll like ten different options. Cool. Well, I I asked how will the U.S. Uh, power cars in the future, and then I gave a bunch of options and I posted it on the speculist, and then looked at the speculist and said, Hey, wait a minute, it's only given four options. So I I took it down and reposted it. Still four options, but it was four totally different options. It was like uh, <laughs> randomly was redacting like... my options, and I, I I got aggravated and pulled the whole thing down. And then, of course, uh, I had there were some commenters that were sort of aggravated that you know the option that they were hoping for was not present, and 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 I can understand because the options that they were you know hoping for were pretty obvious ones, you know, like we're, conti- we're gasoline, continue gasoline, for example. Yeah, we're going to continue to use gasoline to power our cars. So, and that wasn't an option. So. Um, anyway, pulled the whole thing down. Got a new op- uh, got a new polling system, uh, another free one, which is good. Um, in the past, we've we've had to we've used pay systems even, uh, but this one's free and uh, it's twigs.com, t w i i g s dot com, and uh, seems to work pretty good. And so we've we've had some participation. Eighty one people now have voted, and uh, the options I gave. Uh, how will the U.S. primarily power cars in 15 years? Slightly change the question there to be specific about when I'm talking about. In 15 years, how are we going to power our cars? The first option, gasoline diesel from conventional sources. I, what, by that I mean drilling it and getting it out of the ground. 34% of uh, respondents, you know, better than a third, think that we're going to continue to use the uh, source that we're using now to power our vehicles. Um, Natural gas uh, was the next option I put up. Uh, only one percent of respondents thought that natural gas was a uh, was a possibility. Um, to be the primary power. I mean, yeah, to be the primary thing to power our automobiles with, which I kind of right. found surprising. Natural gas, uh, you know, the the technology already exists. It's uh, it's like almost completely clean. Uh, no emissions. Uh, no no bad emissions at all. It's only emissions like oxygen and water. And uh, and you know there's you know you don't have to no, no technology. It, the only I guess the real bad thing about natural gas is that it's you can't transport it in a truck very well. Uh, it, it transports by pipe and it's not in liquid form. It's in gaseous form and so uh, the gas tank has to be it has to be compressed and there's some, you know 
there's some problems with that. So at any rate, um, natural gas only got 1% of respondents said yes. The next option was gasoline diesel from non-conventional sources, and by that I mean algae, converting non-edible biomass to uh, uh, that, or you know, using various other uh, methods to come up with uh, um, with gasoline or diesel. Uh, is, that used, is, is that where the used French fry grease thing comes in? Yeah, I suppose you could use that. Yeah, that that would be a diesel from a non-conventional source. Okay, gotcha. You, okay. you, you take French fry grease and put it in a diesel engine, uh, um, and, uh, and a diesel engine can be modified just slightly so that it doesn't uh, congeal, uh, and you can you can put French fry grease straight into a diesel engine, um, or you can or you can uh, do a little work with the French fry grease and make it into into diesel uh, fuel that doesn't congeal in an engine that has not been modified. But anyway, point is, um, only 7% went with that. Flex fuel. Uh, this, of course, is Robert Zubrin's big thing. He wants uh, us to uh, mandate flex fuel in, in, our, uh, in our present gas-powered vehicles for the future. At any rate, uh, you can uh, burn gasoline, methanol, or ethanol in a flex fuel vehicle. Only 6% went with that. Um, I put various flavors of non-plug-in hybrids. I mean, by gas electric, diesel electric, natural gas electric, flex fuel electric, etc. Six percent went with that. A big one, a big group went with uh, with plug-in hybrids. Okay, twenty-five percent went with that, and full EVs, eighteen uh, percent went with that. So I guess uh, you put you put uh, you put together the, those who responded plug-in hybrids and those who responded full EVs, electrical vehicles, and uh, you put those two together, and that would outweigh even uh, continuing to use uh, those who responded that we're going to continue to use gasoline and diesel from conventional and non-conventional sources. So, and I I would say if you add in the uh, non-plug-in hybrids, you get what 49 percent. Yeah. So, so you've so got, you got 49% of the respondents saying that uh, our primary powered cars in, the, in 15 years will be some form of electric, either fully electric, plug-in hybrid, or, or the current kind of hybrids that we see on the road now. That's right. Um, it's, it's just that we sort of stratified those. So it looks like the, the big winner is gasoline, and I really don't think that's the case. It looks to me like electricity uh, is the big winner in this poll, or the, big, uh, the, the, the likely horse being voted on here. That, that seems right. Uh, and and I, I would tend to agree with that half. I would I would I voted uh, my my personal vote was uh, plug-in hybrids. Oh, and by the way, this brings up another uh, subject. There's there is an option that I actually left off, which and is hi- hydrogen. I didn't even include hydrogen. Oh, and, okay. And I in thinking back, I, I figure I, you know I probably should have included hydrogen because I mean. You know, our president's been talking about it. You know, lots of different people have been discussing. You know, hydrogen's the wave of the future. I just don't think so. And uh, my own bias against hydrogen is what kept me from including it in the poll. I just didn't even think of it. Um, and the reason, I, and the reason I guess I'm kind of biased against hydrogen is that we, while we have hydrogen all around us, it's it's expensive to get to. For example, most of the hydrogen that uh, we use is. Uh, we obtain it from natural gas, and uh, you know if you're going to and, and at a at a great cost, you know you you and so you only get some of the energy out of natural gas in order to get hydrogen, which is fine if you're going to uh, fill the Hindenburg, but it's it makes no sense at all if uh, you're going to run a, a gas powered or a, a a vehicle down the road. You, uh, you you know why not just burn natural gas? And so well, I think the the the, the real uh, the, the real future of hydrogen, if there is one, is um, is in fuel cell form. It's, uh, I don't think hydrogen as a gas is a viable uh, is, is a viable fuel for for automobiles, just for a number of reasons. Any more than I think, I don't think natural gas is. I think Robert Zubrin in that article we talked about a couple weeks ago points out that there are a number of just logistical difficulties around running cars off natural gas. And if natural gas has a future, I think that Zubrin is probably correct that either you convert it to hydrogen, which goes into hydrogen fuel cells, or you convert it to methanol, and then it uh, can be burned in a, in a flex fuel vehicle. So I think that, that's kind of the, the path for, um, uh, for natural gas. I think the path for hydrogen is you look at it as another form of battery. Hi- hydrogens, if, if, they can, if they can develop uh, really efficient, really clean hydrogen fuel cells, um, then that 
is is not unlike a battery. It's not unlike charging up a battery and putting that in the car. Now, whether logistically that's going to ever be uh, as workable or as viable as uh, as an electric battery, I don't know. But I think that that's probably the more likely uh, scenario for for hydrogen. Michael looks like uh, he's uh, made a comment here in the chat room. Michael, uh, tell us about the 100% efficiency photosynthetic hydrogen deal. Uh, What's going on there? Recently, scientists in uh, Australia have uh, announced that they've uh, created a uh, plastic substrate uh, doped with manganese that, when exposed to sunlight, uh, splits water into hydrogen and oxygen at approximately 100% efficiency. In other words, it doesn't heat the water up. It just makes hydrogen and oxygen. And is it basically duplicating what is happening in photosynthesis in plants? or, or? Absolutely. It even uses the same uh, uh, choice of metallic ion that uh, plants made a long time ago. And, that, and, and plants made that, quote, choice because it was that efficient, I guess. Um, cool. That's, 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 you know, again, yeah, if, you, if you can get to the hydrogen cheap, then, yeah, that's, it's got a future. But it seems to me if, it's, if, if you're at an energy loss to get to it, then it doesn't really make any sense to use it. And the but. whole question of uh, storage and uh, transportation of hydrogen, I'm with Phil. I think uh, both hydrogen and natural gas will wind up being down-converted into some sort of liquid fuel and mixed in with the rest of our uh, fuel supply. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna. I think our our uh, survey respondents are correct, and that it's a mix between um, uh, electrical power and some kind of uh, some, some kind of liquid fuel. And and I think you can have your conventional gas, and maybe you can have uh, there, there's going to be room for flex fuels and and for uh, biodiesel and and for some and, and for some of these other things. But but it's actually the the mix I bet we'll see in 15 years is pretty close to the mix we see right now, but the proportions will be different, and hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more from uh, uh, a lot more from electricity and a lot more interesting ways to uh, get the energy. This is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about long shot futures, and if you'd like to join our discussion, you can call us at 347-215-8972 or join us in the online chat. And speaking of the chat, Michael, there are other ideas on uh, powering automobiles from our from our chat room guests. It uh, looks like the uh, consensus in the chat room seems to be drifting in the direction of uh, hydrogen in some form. Uh, we well, I should have included that in the poll. I feel bad about that now, but uh, maybe someday I can you know, rerun that poll with hydrogen in there. Chat room taking you to task on this, Stephen, taking yep. you to task on the hydrogen right. issue. Well, it's my yeah. own bias coming back to bite me. But <laughs> there's, there's, an, there's another uh, possibility for, for hydrogen. If we do go to full EVs, we might see, that, uh, we might see those ele- electric vehicles powered by hydrogen either through the blacklight process that we talked about last week or yeah. through the nuclear uh, fusion process that we talked about last week. So there's, there's a lot of ways hydrogen can get in on the game, although I, you wouldn't think of that as being hydrogen powering a, a car. You would think of that as electricity powering the car. It's just that the electricity comes from the hydrogen. So let's I, – I, I'm having a hard time thinking, how do we rate this one? Um, we've, been, we've been doing all of our long shots on a scale from 1 to 10. Since it's so a, whole, take, whole, a whole – all these different options, uh, we'd have to rate all of them. So I don't, I don't know that we can. But uh, are, you, are you talking about hydrogen alone, though? I mean – Well, why don't we do – tell you what, let's do this. Let's do um, – Liquid fuels. We could uh, we could rate. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say let's do liquid fuels, uh, electric, and hydrogen. We'll, we'll rate each of those three, and I'll I'll start uh, on a scale from uh, uh, what did we say? One is uh, the most likely. Nine the the ten the least. Right. Uh, I would say liquid fuels are probably coming in at about a, a seven or eight for being the primary source. Fifteen years from now, uh, electricity mm, more like a three or four. Uh, hydrogen more like a one or two, in my view. Well, we've we've reversed it since last week. Last week, uh, the ten was the uh, long shot, and uh, one was the sure thing. So That's how I was doing it just now. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. My bad. Yeah. Um, hmm. I guess I, I guess I got, got to agree with it then. Agree with you. Okay. You, you would you would use those numbers? Yeah, I would, I would use uh, very similar numbers to that. Yeah. Uh, how about My- Michael? You got a thought on that? Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, liquids being a two, uh, electricity being about a four, and hydrogen. I'm going to have to stick out about six. <laughs> I see Harvey in the chat room is being very uh, safe. He's going with five on all of them. 
<laughs> right down the middle. So you know, I described the scale right, but I, I I reversed it when I said it. So anyway, hydrogen would be about a eight or a nine. Um, electricity about I'm confusing myself now somewhere in the middle and uh, anyway okay let's move quickly on I'm confusing myself with these numbers um, I think five on all of them I'm going to agree with Harvey actually I think uh, that's why he won the coffee mug he really he really knows how to get to the heart of the matter now uh, oh yeah I didn't even include compressed air in the poll okay now I got I know I got to redo the poll in a week or two I got to have compressed air and hydrogen so anyway. well and and here's here's a thought when you when you redo that poll think in think uh, between uh, energy sources and uh, energy storage mechanisms, right? Because right. batteries, uh, hydrogen, and compressed air, those are all storage mechanisms. And then things like liquid fuels, uh, nuclear, and all these, you know, solar, these, these are all energy sources. So I you might even get two poles out of it. Who knows? Yeah. This could okay. be your whole new career. You know, it's just kind of <laughs> pulling <laughs> on Pulling on the speculative. I've got to find a way to monetize that, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well... I'm sure you get going with it, and the money will start rolling in. I'm sure we'll figure somehow, out somehow, joy or something, <laughs> kick right in there. Okay, so let's move on to cognitive enhancement and longevity. I had uh, listed these. These were uh, also long shot futures that were courtesy of um, uh, Brian Wang, who last week uh, had had been kind enough to supply us with some uh, with, with some fun possible topics um he doesn't he didn't really give us a lot to go on just possible breakthroughs with radical cognitive enhancement so let's talk about that one a little bit and also um radical longevity breakthroughs recent work on immortalizing and rejuvenating livers and cells i guess we should treat these separately so let's start with uh radical cognitive enhancement um and and let's give that a time frame because i think to say whether it will ever happen um it would it would fall to a one pretty quickly right uh, if, right. if you say you know, if it's possible at all, it will happen at some point. I guess is what we're saying there. But yeah, so let's put a time frame on it. What do you say about 20 years or? Let's, I was just about to say, let's give it a time frame of 20 years. So, within 20 years, will we see um, in place uh, the the option? And I'm not saying widely distributed, but will we have the option for people to radically upgrade their cognitive abilities? Um, and and I and I don't mean. Um, externally through computers, but I mean actually internally. They might it might still be through computers, but but actually have their own mental processes, their own internal cognitive processes, sped up, enhanced, made greater. Um, and uh, I'll say uh, for, for for this one, we'll say either through drugs or through surgery or through implantation of some kind. Twenty years from now, can people will human beings be radically upgrading their own cognitive abilities? I think so. Um, that, let's see. To, it, you know, it's now, of course, 2008, and uh, we're talking uh, then about uh, 2028. Um, I think that um, it will be happening, but it probably it may not happen until the last two or three years in this 20-year time frame. Uh, to the extent now, you know, we already have uh, some drugs that are thought to uh, enhance cognitive abilities that are available. Um, you know, and you, therefore, you know, uh, ADD and things like that. And but if people that don't even have ADD take them, uh, apparently it leads to greater clarity um, and, and things like that. So, so we already have some drugs that are available that. Uh, do various things. Uh, you know, you can you can stay up and and sleep every every third night. You know, uh, with is it Provigil? And yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. And you know, there, so there there are drugs that are available. Uh, they're they're probably are crude by comparison to the drugs of, that are will, will be available in 20 years. Yeah, I think it's a good point though to say that we we definitely already have in place some low to moderate level of cognitive enhancement available. Right. And you know, as a as an absolute um probably incurable caffeine addict, I would say that I that, that I've probably been hooked on a cognitive enhancement drug most of my adult life. I mean, it functions that way for me anyway, or at least I think it does. And uh, there's there's probably a lot of placebo effect around uh, around cognitive enhancement. You might start telling people that you're enhancing their cognitive abilities and they might they might suddenly seem a lot smarter. But uh that's yeah. You know, that's for low to moderate levels of cognitive enhancement. We're talking radical now. Right. So, so we're talking within 20 years. Um, 
Well, if we're talking radical, I, I don't know how much could be done with drugs. You know, I mean, uh, the the hardware that we have between our ears is 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 what it is, and um, you know, if you could, there there might be certain drugs that'll uh, enhance it to some extent. But if if we're talking uh, radically enhance something where it's where the brains are ten times uh, as powerful, and you know, our our you know, obviously you're going to have to do something more than just uh, than pop a pill, probably. Right. Let, let's 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 put a let's put a definition on that because we have got 20 years, and let's say is 10 times 10 times faster a brain functioning 10 times faster. Would we call that radical cognitive enhancement? Yeah, I, I think so. That you know, oh, we got a great definition from Matt here. I see in the chat room, smarter than any human that has ever lived. Okay. All right. So normal guy, normal guy. Uh, Takes this and cognitive enhancement, and he's he he understands everything Einstein was talking about, and in fact he can go to the next step. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, yeah. Just any normal person could then sit down and um, explain where Einstein went wrong to him if he, if Einstein were around, right? Okay. So now let's rate this one. Okay. So 20, within twenty years, cognitive enhancement, radical cognitive enhancement, uh, to to the extent that. Um, any person living at that time can be made smarter than any human being that had ever lived in all the history of humanity leading up to that time that that treatment became available. And I think you make a good point that it's probably not going to be drugs that do that, um, although it could be. Uh, it's more likely that it's going to be some kind of um, brain surgery, I would think, or some kind of implantation into the brain or, or some nanotechnological combination of those two things. Right. And it might not be surgery so much. You know, it could be nanobots injected into the, you know, you know, uh, past the uh, blood-brain barrier somehow. But yeah, it, I think it would have to be more than just uh, standard chemicals uh, to 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 get this kind of cognitive enhancement. And I, I would say that I would put about a six on it. A six. I believe that. Okay. I, I believe in six, uh, ten being a long shot, the longest of long shots, and. Uh, and one being, uh, um, you know, uh, it's going to happen. So I would, in other words, I'm saying it's it's not quite in the middle. It's a little bit of a long shot in 20 years. Okay. Well, I'm tempted to give it a five, but we know Harvey's going to take us there. So I'm going to say I think you're right. We'll we'll uh, we'll call that a six. And uh, Michael, what do you think? I'm thinking a tenfold increase in processor speed by 2028 looks like. Uh, I'm going to have to go seven on that. Okay, a little, okay. Bit, of, make that little bit more of a long shot. Okay, make that make that one a seven. Although although we weren't going with ten times as the as the defining characteristic here, it was just smarter than anyone that's ever lived before. Was the okay? And Are you still going to sit with your seven under that, Michael? Um, I actually smarter than anyone who's ever lived. That actually puts it a little further out for me. Okay. All right. Hmm. Okay. More of an eight at that point. Uh, definitely in the eight, possibly nine category. I, I okay. wonder. Th- I wonder though if Einstein was really ten times, uh, you know, uh, a normal person. He might have just been two times. And the question is: Is the distribution a standard bell-shaped curve or an exponential curve? Well, and, and there's also a question of whether a ten times increase in speed would actually make you any smarter than Einstein. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of unanswered questions about intelligence that we we don't know the answer to. Matt no, points out that. Faster on the game shows. <laughs> yeah, you could win the game shows. I think you could do great in Vegas if you could think ten times faster than other people. <laughs> you could um, count cards great, couldn't you? Yeah, uh, but but Matt says uh, adding fifty points to your IQ in twenty years has a good chance. Not sure about reaching that level of enhancement in twenty. Wait, Matt, you're contradicting yourself. I'm not following Matt. Hey, somebody. Ex- Michael, explain Matt to me, or Matt, explain yourself here. Am I misreading this comment? I'd say adding 50 points to your IQ in 20 years has a good chance. I'm not sure about reaching that level of enhancement in 20 years. Oh, I, that, that I, I got you. Okay, that Einstein was 10 times as smart as the average person. Okay. So this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about long shot futures. And if you'd like to join us, you can give us a call at 347-215-8972 or join us in our online chat. So that takes us to the next one, which is longevity. And I think I can, I think I can make that one uh, easy. I mean, we we talk about this topic all the time: life extension, radical life extension. And I, and and I'll give I'll give a scenario for longevity. A hundred years from now, 
Stephen, you and I doing whatever the 100 years from now equivalent of fast-forward radio is with everyone currently in our chat room and everyone currently listening in live all participating. Okay. That's the scenario. All right. Um, I would – That would that, – some, for some of us, it's not that huge of a stretch – uh, to you know, to potentially you know, Matt right would be living to be 100 and you know, change. For me, it would be a big deal. Okay, and for uh, for some of the people in our chat room, this would be a huge deal. 100 and some of us pushing 150 at this point. Okay, we would right, in, right. in 100 years. So, um, with that in mind, take it away. Okay, um, I would I would say that I've I've long said that uh, we're going to see uh, some form of life extension within just a few years. I think now we're down to, uh, I, according to the um, the prediction I made, I think we're down to about eight years now until the time limit of my original prediction runs out. That, in other words, first generation life extension not going to be so great, but it, it'll, it'll. My thought is it'll be around in about eight years. And that's um, enough to bridge you, hopefully, to the next generation of. That's life right. Extension. That's yeah. right. Which and, and and then which will be better, and which will come sooner. So, you know, maybe after the first bridge, you know, you, you might have another 10 years after that. You, you know, it's taken hundreds of years to get to the first bridge. But then maybe 10 years after that, uh, you, you, you reach the next the next one, and the next one comes uh, maybe five years after that. Um, I, I would say uh, the chances are pretty good. I, again, I, I, I hate to hit the six again, but that's um, – so let me go with five. I know that's probably Harvey's number, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's not that long of a long shot. It's uh, um, I, I believe it's a coming thing. All right, I'm gonna say uh, I'm giving this one a two. Okay, because right? I'm you I'm really, really counting on this long shot. Yeah. So okay. Uh, I I I don't know how long of a long shot it actually is, but I'm gonna give it about a I'm gonna give it about a two because I'm really rooting for this one. Really, really hoping this one. Uh, comes in. What do, you, what do you think, Michael? Uh, I think uh, we stand a fairly good chance, as I put down in the chat room, uh, that's five generations hence, and five generations ago, the uh, maximum average life expectancy was about 40-ish, so it would represent another doubling of uh, lifespan in about the same period of time. Fairly decent shot, but I have to chime in with a fine young man who says uh, might not happen for existing humans, but definitely for genetic engineered. Well, it looks like Matt Doing, Fine Young Man, and Harvey all say five, along with me. So, Oh, everybody's out on a limb on this one, huh? right down the middle with a five. I'm, I'm sticking with my two. When we're all, all 100 years from now, you can thank me. Okay, <laughs> That's right. You'll be personally responsible because you made this prediction. And that's <laughs> reminding us. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing my best. And uh, did you you gave it a five also, Michael? Uh, we'll call that a five. Okay, so everybody's five but me. I'm the I'm the outlier here, but I'm I'm sticking with my two. Uh, hey, I understand your one. hope. This is it's it's an important thing. I mean, if once you got longevity, we can all stick around and 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 see everything else too that's coming down the pike. Yeah, know? we can solve all these other problems in the world. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We can we can uh, hopefully at that point live long enough to see. Um, faster yes. than light travel or <laughs> wireless electricity. Actually, I, I want to get to wireless electricity. I think before we do uh, faster than light travel. So let's uh, let's talk about this. This was actually our friend Will Brown, who uh, was uh, uh, a caller on the program not last week, but a couple weeks ago. Right. Uh, when we, when we were solving the world's problems, he had some uh, he had some thoughts on the uh, likelihood, or rather the unlikelihood, of eliminating war from human nature. And now he's got an idea on a long shot future uh, around wireless electricity. This is an idea that um, that we've written about on the Speculist in the past, and it's a it's a great idea. The the idea of uh, being able to use the air as the conductive medium for electricity, and we're not talking about like lightning, so it's not like people get zapped, but but you're able to um, to send electricity through the air uh, and eliminate the whole need for all that uh, wire infrastructure for for providing electricity. Um, I just put the link uh, in the chat uh, for uh, for Will's post, and of course it'll be in the in the show notes as well. Um, the idea here is that it's you know back when like Tesla was uh, experimenting with wireless power, it was lightning bolts. Right. Which, as you can imagine, that's that's not exactly where we want to go with this. You know, um, 
uh, you know, lightning bolts uh, through the air. That, that's not, you know, that's just not. We can't do that. So, well, we've we talked on a previous program about how Tesla was down there in uh, uh, Michael's neighborhood, down there on Cheyenne Mountain, uh, out uh, near Colorado Springs, and yeah, he had some big tower set up there that was just pulling electricity out of the air and like zapping the world with it. Right? I mean, it was a uh, would have been cool to see, but I think uh, as as far as a practical way of uh, providing electricity, maybe not so much. Right. But th- this new this new method. Uh, instead of uh, zapping electricity through the air, it's uh, zapping magnetism through the air. It's the the, uh, uh, the, the power is being trans- transmitted mag- magnetically, and the human body, uh, you know, you, you don't get zapped this way, and so it's safe. Uh, and the Intel chief technology officer uh, Justin Ratner demonstrates this on, uh, demonstrated this uh, in San Francisco a little while back. He had a you know a lamp out in the middle of the stage, no no cords or anything. He brought it out there and uh, and uh, then it powered up, and it was a 60-watt bulb in it, and it was using more power than your typical laptop, which is key because this is, you know, that's what you're, that's what you're hoping for is the, the ability to just use your laptop anywhere. It, you're hooked, you're hooked up to the internet wirelessly through Wi-Fi. Uh, you're also getting your power wirelessly, and so uh, that that really frees us up pretty, and you know that would be an important. You know, thing to be able to free uh, up computers that way. So, okay, here's a wacky question: Could we then use that to charge batteries in electric cars? Could you just be driving along and charging your battery through some wireless electrical connection that keeps your battery charging? So you're, it's like you've got a virtual grid running through the airways that it would almost be like having all these plug-in cars plugged in all the time. Great minds think alike. Uh, Will Brown was uh, uh, finished up this post by saying, "Now, how soon can I expect to recharge my Tesla Roadster from the streetlights as I'm driving?" Great idea. I mean, you know, I mean that's that's the thing. If uh, if we're all driving around in electrical vehicles, that sure would solve the whole uh, uh, fueling up problem if you're able to recharge as you're going down the road. And uh, okay, so let's. Let's let's rate this one two ways. We'll rate this one two ways. Okay. Let's talk about uh, uh, wireless electricity sufficient to uh, such that you would never have to plug in your laptop. You could always find a source. Uh, you know, if you, I assume there'd be some billing, some means of paying for it. Um, so wi- wireless electricity so that you could always keep your laptop going. That's one scenario. And then wireless electricity so that you could always keep your electric car going. That's the second scenario. Okay. And let's let's rate each of those. All right, one point five on the laptop because the technology is already there. They've got okay. it. Okay, okay, it just needs to be commercialized. I, I believe that we'll see that within five years. You know, I don't, I, and it's going to be popular enough that uh, you know we won't we won't be plugging in our laptops for any purpose. Uh, uh, no, nobody can. You, you won't even be able to buy a plugged up laptop probably uh, not long after that. But. Uh, um, running your electrical vehicle down the road without having to stop into a gas station. Um, hmm. What do you think about a? I'm going to put about a seven on that. Yeah, I, I think that's right. It looks like um, uh, Michael has given that one a seven, and the laptop scenario a five. And he's uh, he, he reminded us that we need a time frame on this, and he suggested 25 years. Um, okay. And that's fine. We can we can go with 25 years. Although we were kind of doing 20, but that's okay. He said it, so we'll we'll, we'll make that one 20 years. And I'm going to say for the laptop scenario, I'm going to give that a two. So everybody, check this out. I'm saying it's as likely that we'll be able to power our laptops off wireless electricity as it is that uh, uh, 100 years from now that we'll all be talking. That's that's how that's how. Bought in, I am on the life extension thing. Uh, the car scenario, uh, yeah, I'm going to give that one uh, in twenty in twenty five years. I'm going to give that one about a a six, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and uh, and hopefully you'll be able to drive down the road uh, as a young man too. So it, it, it'll be a, it'll it'll be a happening Sportster uh, that you'll be driving. It'll be it'll be yep. a Tesla, Tesla road. Yep. <laughs> I think exactly. Well, it should be. I mean, that would only be right, especially if you could get your charge off some tower off Cheyenne Mountain. That would be perfect. Um, looks like a fine young man's given us a nine on this. I assume he means the car. Um, and Harvey's uh, given it a five. Hey, what, do you, what a surprise! Harvey went five on that one. So. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, but uh, should probably uh, mention that fine young man also believes we won't have laptops in 25 years. Well, that's a good point. Okay, that, yeah, that amount yeah. of electricity for yeah, whatever we, you would need it for. 
Yeah. <laughs> if we we've all got brain implants uh, to be to be smarter, uh, that brain implant would take the place of a laptop anyway. So yeah, that's right. I mean, what we what we need is wireless uh, wireless electricity to power our robotic overlords who will be with us at all times, uh, helping uh, helping inside our skulls probably. Yeah, helping keep our lives on track. That's exactly right. Okay, so I Resistance think. Resistance uh, is fuel. I think everyone who wanted to got a got a shot at that one, and I hope someone's keeping track of all this. Wow, this is an awful lot of mathematical information we're gathering this time around. So, uh, oh, Michael, did I mention that's your job actually is to make sure you get all the ratings? So, I'm good on work. It. Thanks. Oh, good, good man. Okay, good deal. Um, it's great having you back on the program, by the way, Michael. It's it's always nice to have somebody named Michael in the chat room because that way we can't get confused and say the wrong name. Um, Mike Starling and I uh, we arranged that for you. Just special. You guys, right. are, you guys are tell, awesome. tell your mom and dad thank you. Uh. Yeah, we, we appreciate that. Um, okay, so let's move on to what's our next topic? Oh, our next topic. The faster than light. Faster than light travel. So this is the yeah. response to uh, Matt's question. And I actually did a better all the time feature this week um, in the Speculist. And that was one of the pieces of good news that I was uh, very happy to report. And let me just recap that one. This is um, this is from, I believe it was the Guardian, uh, no, excuse me, the Telegraph online, a UK newspaper. Uh, it says, Star Trek warp drive is a possibility, say scientists. And uh, two physicists have boldly gone where no reputable scientist should go and devised a new scheme to travel faster than the speed of light. Basically, what these, uh, what, what these guys have developed mathematically is a model uh, that is not unlike, at least when you talk about it in language, the uh, warp drive that, um, that that was used in in Star Trek uh, by um, by the Starship Enterprise and other ships in Starfleet. Um, according to the idea, Starship could warp space so that it shrinks ahead of the vessel and expands behind it. Okay, so what you do is you push your departure point many light years backwards while simultaneously bringing distant stars and other destinations closer. That you're, you're, you're fundamentally warping the shape of space around you. And so what that will do is it's going to effectively transport the starship from place to place at effectively faster than light speeds. When, when we talked about this last week, one of the things Michael said was that uh, he thought there would be some way to cheat into, um, into faster than light travel. And in fact, I think that um, if we ever do travel faster than light, it will be through some, some method of cheating. And the mathematical model that these two professors have put into place, uh, one's a, an associate professor at Baylor, and uh, the other one is a fellow named Richard Obusi, and I, I don't know his uh, credentials, actually, but uh, they, they have worked this model out together. Um, they, they describe something very much like what we saw in Star Trek. We're going to warp space. We'll make the distances in front of us short, the distances behind us long, and boom. We and we're, we're, not, we're not breaking the law of uh, uh, you know, the, the light speed limit because we're not traveling faster than light. We're warping space to, to get to these places without breaking that law. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the reasons these guys believe it can be done is they, they look at the universe and, and see, well, it, the universe has already done this. It, it, it has warped space, and that's part of the reason that the universe is expanding the way it is, um, is that, it, 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 you know, that, that it's not just that, uh, that these things keep speeding up and up. It's, all, it's that space itself is stretching out. Absolutely right. I mean, one, one of the things we know from... Einstein's theories is that um, space-time is is a plastic substrate. It is it is something that can be reshaped. We know that that massive objects actually uh, bend time and space around them. And so and so, what these guys are talking about sounds fantastic, but it is only um, a much more intense version of something that. Uh, maybe a much more compact and concentrated version of something that actually already does occur in nature. So as crazy as it sounds, we're not talking about uh, repealing the laws of physics. We're just talking about, uh, you know, having some fun with them. We're talking about using them in, in, in new and uh, uh, unexpected ways, but not completely unexpected because, after all, Star Trek's been around for 40 years now, and uh, we've all been talking about warp speed that whole time. So I'm going to say i think we we, we rated uh ftl travel last week but uh oh by the way before you before you rate it i i think we should say that these particular scientists said that the amount of energy to move a starship 
um, and to warp space for a starship, it would take basically the the mass of Jupiter converting it to energy. Right. So you know that's a bit of a stumbling block at this point with what that's, we understand. That is a that is a technological leap. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a bigger window on this one. I'm gonna give us a bigger time frame. Okay. Right. Okay. Let's let's say warp drive by mm, two hundred years from now. Okay? okay. Which I believe would put us right in the uh, Star Trek time frame, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Actually, yeah, that's right. Twenty third century. Be doing his that's initial right. work here in the next few years, but uh, but twenty uh, <laughs> third century. But yeah. <laughs> this, gotcha. this, this will take us to the uh, to, to the actual you know original series Star Trek Kirk and uh, Spock and all those guys, and um, I'm gonna give it about a I'm gonna give it an eight in the next 200 years that that we would be able to deploy that kind of a technology. Uh, I guess I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna agree with you, Phil. Um, I, it's a long shot, uh, but it's possible, and I think. You know, if if I if I thought that there were no way to get around this, we got to take a Jupiter and turn it into energy to push a starship. If I thought that that was going to be, if it was going to stay that way, then I would have to say, you know, nine point five, getting close to a ten in a long shot, because you know we we don't have that many Jupiters to, to convert into energy. You know, right. um, but you know, if we can find a, a shortcut around that little problem. Uh, then yeah, then we can, it can happen. So while it's still a long shot, it's in the realm of possibility. I put about an eight on it. Okay, we'll call that about an eight. Yeah. And let me just real quickly say this is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking long shots. There's still time to join our conversation. If you want to give us a call at three four seven two one five eight nine seven two or join us in our online chat. And speaking of the chat, what do you think, Michael, on our warp drive in two hundred years? I'm actually going to have to throw my weight behind a uh, four-and-a-half number for that uh, on two bases. All right. Uh, one, one, I don't think the uh, energy requirement is going to turn out to be quite as great as uh, the current calculations suggest. I think there might be some room in there for improvement. And two, uh, just given the uh, rate at which the technologies we've seen in Star Trek and a, a number of other uh, science fiction series have been converted into reality, uh, I don't think it's that far ahead. Okay. Good call. I mean, we've, ta- we've talked about how things like the communicators the, uh, have, have come, come into being, uh, computer technology far advancing what they had, far in advance of what they had, uh, replicators on the horizon. So, yeah, maybe warp drive is just another one of those technologies from Star Trek that we will uh, – We'll see in our everyday lives. Okay, so uh, by the way, uh, we got to we'll hit we'll host Star Trek again with another thing uh, uh, if we've got time this evening. So okay, oh yeah. If you're a trucker, stick around. We've got more we've got more Trekky goodness coming up here potentially. What about uh, others in the chat room? Uh, How how are they coming in, Michael? Uh, It looks like uh, the average is running about eight. Uh, We got everything from nine nine to as low as seven. And uh, people throwing in von Neumann and von Daniken as uh, possible. That's great. We're all over the map here. I would say, let me just rate those. Von Neumann, that's about a two. Von Daniken, that's about a ten and a half. Okay, so that ain't happening now. But uh, if we if we had time for uh, a, a, a uh, tales of the paranormal, we could uh, we could fully rate the von Daniken. But not tonight. Not doing that tonight. Okay, so. Um, all right. So that leads us, I think, to our. Uh, last two topics, which are actually quantum computing and something I'm calling the quantum reset button. Now, um, uh, Brian had written a little bit about uh, quantum computing, Stephen. So where where are we with that, and, and how can we put a scenario together to rate that long-shot future of uh, quantum computing? So the, the question is, will we have a quantum computer that's, you know, functional and uh, practical in what time frame? What are, you, what are you thinking about? I'd say five years. Okay. Ooh, five years is that's just kind of right around the corner. Um, Let's go nuts with that. Yeah. All right, five years. Uh, I got to put about an eight or nine on that. It's uh, that's 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 a pretty short time horizon. And um, now, I mean, we've already seen some calculations being done, uh, but in order to have a practical quantum computer, you've got it. They're going to have to ramp up fast uh, from where they're at now. Okay, I tell you what, we'll, we'll do two, we'll do two scenarios: a, a quantum computer at all in five years. And how about a quantum computer that confirms the existence of parallel universes in 20 years? How's that? 
two scenarios for you there. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to put um, a quantum computer at all in, in five years uh, and stick with uh, stick with what I, what I say, eight or nine. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and one powerful enough to uh, confirm the existence of parallel universes in 20 years. Ooh, about a about a six, about a five or six. I actually find that uh, more believable because of the, the the time frames. We got we got time to actually get up to it. So I, I, I can believe oh. the the one in 20 years more than the one in five. Harvey asked the vital question: What's a quantum computer? A quantum computer is a computer that. Uh, that works uh, via resolving quantum states. It's uh, ra- rather than uh, working via the electronic processes that uh, that the computers we normally use. Um, the, they're they're working uh, at a at an electronic level. The the quantum computer is actually going to work at at a quantum level. And um, the promise is that because the uh, quantum states are unresolved, and we'll talk about quantum states being unresolved. Uh, a little bit further on our next scenario, um, the, the information processing potential of quantum computers is vastly greater than uh, the information processing potential of computers that we currently use today. Um, quantum computing will be a huge leap forward from electronic computing in many regards, although there are some questions as to whether quantum computers will be good for certain kinds of calculations, whether we'll be able to do certain things with them. But generally, it's I think generally agreed that they that, that, that it will be a huge breakthrough in terms of the amount of just sheer raw processing power that, that is available to us. For Apparently, for a certain class of problems, a quantum computer could solve it in seconds, and a and a, and a standard computer would take until the end of time to, to solve right. a, to solve certain problems. And the quantum computers could just hand it to you in, in seconds. Um, and that's you know so. Uh, but but for other problems, uh, quantum computer is no good. And I, I don't quite understand that. It's that's frankly beyond me. Um, yeah. So. That, that, that's uh, above our pay grade, as uh, some some might say. But um, okay, so uh, let's see. Harvey has processed all of that, and he's given it a five. Okay, good man. Thanks, Harv. Appreciate that. Um, and uh, who, who else has thoughts on this, Michael? What do you what do you got for us on our quantum computer scenarios? Well, it looks like uh, for everyone else in the chat room, we're showing probably in the neighborhood of uh, seven to eight. Uh, I think we'll see some very specialized quantum computing functions, particularly in uh, data mining, uh, in five years, that's about a three. Uh, parallel universes proved in 20 years, I have to put that out at 9.5. Hmm. But doesn't the existence, doesn't the functioning of a quantum computer actually prove, a, come to think of it, that parallel universes exist? Uh, I don't think Or am really I just talking way outside of my realm of knowledge here? I don't think it really solves the the debate between the. Well, you're uh, talking outside my realm of knowledge. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> but I'm looking forward to that te- technology that lets us access those parallel universes and see what's going on over there in those. And that that that's probably more of a nine point nine 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 oh eight, I think, is where I'd put that one. But uh, on these on these scenarios, I'm going to say the five year quantum computer. Give that one. I will agree with you, Michael, about a two or a three. And the uh, confirming parallel universes in 20 years, I think once we have quantum computers, we're going to have an explosion in that direction. So I would say that one is more like a two or a three. I think they're both about a two or three. Well, let's move on to the other Trekker subject. I'm, I'm anxious to get to that. Um, this is the undo button that you, were, uh, that you talked about, Phil. Uh, you, you did the post, so explain it to us. Okay, well, I wish I could. Um, bottom line is... <laughs> We, we we've got a um we we've got a scientist who uh has done something very unusual uh in or at least it sounds like he's done something very unusual uh in in uh quantum physics research um as i mentioned um quantum quantum physics all has to do with whether a a um, a, a state has been realized so you got these um, particles out there, they could be in one position, they could be in another position, they could be in a third or fourth or fifth position. We don't know where they are, but when we observe it, then we know, and when we measure it, then we know. And uh, there's there's this notion of a waveform being collapsed and of reality sort of emerging from the collapsing of these uh, of these of these quantum waves. Well, that's all very well, and uh, as as far as it goes. So you so you picture this kind of smeared out universe of all these particles, and then you take a look, and it creates a snapshot, and then you see the next snapshot, and time kind of moves forward that way. Well, what this guy has done 
is he has uh, taken a particle and collapsed the wave to an extent, and then he returned it to its original quantum state uh, as though no measurement had been taken. And so I came up with this elaborate iPod analogy. I'm not going to belabor uh, that one again, but but essentially, um, as I read it and I understand it, and, and there was a pretty good discussion about this in the comments, and no one has completely dissuaded me from this position, it looks to me like what he did was he didn't just make it so that uh, the thing was undone. I mean, he didn't just do it and then undo it. He set it so that it never happened. So a thing that happened then hadn't happened, okay? Um, basically, it, it was an undo button in real life, and if you... Um, if you project out from that, from one particle to, say, macro reality, let's talk about a technology whereby we could actually say, you know what, today was a pretty crappy day. Uh, I didn't get much done. Dunk, hit the button, and then you're back at this morning again. Okay? <laughs> you, you, you can, you're talking about a time machine. Well, I was thinking about a totally different technology. Um, I was thinking about the transporters from Star Trek. Um, Heisenberg, uh, the uh, the scientist, basically said you couldn't, you know, because you know of the what we understand about quantum states and the fact that they collapse, um, you can't measure, uh, you know, the 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 spin of a uh, of of something and the and the and the speed of it. And in other words, you can measure one one aspect of of a particle, but you can't, uh, uh, you know, you can't nail down everything of the particle. And so transporting something at the quantum level, and by the way, trekkers could tell you that the transporters are supposed to be, you know, have quantum resolution, quantum level resolution. You, if, you, if you're going to, you know, and you can't do that according to Heisenberg. You can't, and, and so basically if you could partially collapse something, you take a measurement and then undo the damage you've done, and that would be a method by which you know exact, and you could, you could obtain quantum level resolution. So uh, it could be an enabling technology that allows the transporter of, of Star Trek. Uh, ah, the quantum resolution. This is, this is the resolution that we said, now if we had that, would you go in the, in the transporter, right? I think you still wouldn't, even with the... Uh, no, no, I would, I would do it then. I would do it then. Oh, you would? Okay, I, would okay. I would believe, you know, it, I would get on that transporter because I, be, I would believe that I would make that trip. Now you know I'd, the uh, we've we've talked in the past. I, I wouldn't get on a, 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 tra a transporter that had resolution less than that because you know I, basically I'd be destroyed at one section and a copy of me would be created at another. But I wouldn't make the trip, so you know I'm not interested in getting on a transporter like. But at quantum resolution, it would truly be you. Yeah, I would, it would feel be all like your it quantum states, and and that's you. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I, some philosophy. Uh, you know, if you ever get to that point, you're going to have to have. There's going to be a lot of philosophy classes on that. But you know, I, what I'm saying is you're, you're saying that it would be you enough to the point that you would do it. I think I would do it then, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, your, your practical philosophical stance is yes, that would be yeah. me and I would do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so, yes. So that gives us two scenarios here from the same, uh, uh, from the same oh, experiment. Oh, there's, a, there's okay. a third scenario, too. Okay. Uh, another commenter uh, to your post said, well, uh, doesn't this completely – wouldn't this completely throw out uh, – Quantum cryptography. If you can undo the damage, basically you could you could uh, eavesdrop on somebody uh, that had uh, uh, that had used quantum cryptography in sending a message. Okay, it's, so it's always I'm, been I'm, the idea that it was unbreakable. Quantum cryptography would be unbreakable, but perhaps this would be an enabling technology that would break that kind of cryptography. Okay, well I'll tell you what. I'm going to remove. Um, my undo button from the scenarios then, and we'll just focus on the two more realistic ones, okay? So okay. Um, elimination of quantum cryptography is one scenario, and um, your idea for quantum resolution and a transporter is another, and we'll give uh, uh, elimination of quantum cryptography a 20-year time frame, the transporter a 200-year time frame. I'm going to say on the quantum cryptography, that's about a five. On the... Uh, Transporter, that one's probably about a five. So, okay, I think they're both a they're both a long shot. Um, I'm going to put an eight on both of them. Okay, give those both an eight. How does the chat room feel about it? Uh, the chat room still hasn't collapsed its own waveform to some kind of coherent uh, numbers, but uh, judging from the tenor of the commentary, it looks like uh, people are pretty uncertain. Um, I personally am going to have to throw eights on it as well. 
for a number of reasons. I, I, I just want to point out Fine Young Man's quote, which I think is uh, absolutely correct. North Koreans have already broken it in the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least one person understands what we're talking about here. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Looks like looks like we're seeing some nines and and Harvey's coming in with a four on the transporter. All right, we've broken the five uh, broken the five barrier there on the transporter. So um, uh, see, all I had to do, all we had to do was for me to give it uh, some fives. And Matt's coming in with with nines. So um, oh, let's go ahead. What the heck? We're running a couple minutes late. Let's rate the uh, uh, the undo button. How about a how about a technology that would actually allow us to erase events from time? Um, and maybe it would never get to the today wasn't a good day. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna eliminate the whole day. But even if you could get to the, gosh, I wish I hadn't said that. Boom. Oh, I never said it. Okay. Um, and, and I'm gonna give that one 500 years. Hmm. Uh, nine. Nine point nine. Nine point nine in 500 years. Okay. I don't Michael? think my keyboard has that many spaces. Uh, nine and a string. Huh. Long, long, long what about shot. What, what about uh, what about the chat room, folks? Perfect ten from Fine Young Man. You were just shooting for that, Phil. I was looking for a perfect ten on one of my uh, on, on on one of my scenarios here. Well, I think it is exceedingly unlikely that we will ever have technology that would uh, that would do that. But I did come up with a scenario for this over lunch today with my wife that I just wanted to um, reveal. What if this is like the last technological breakthrough that's ever made? Because once you hit it, some genius goes, you know what? We really made a bad turn here back about 150 years ago. And they hit the button, and they reset time at that point. So, And then you this undo. Thing yeah, this thing could have been invented any number of times. We could be on our thousandth time through the 21st century here, getting ready to have that thing invented again. And then, boom, somebody hits the button, and we're back here again. Reminds me of the line from Hitchhiker's Guide. Anytime the universe is fully understood, it will instantly be replaced by something even more confusing. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what I'm shooting for, Michael. That's, that's my thought. Okay, well, I'm glad we hit one that's such a long shot that, uh, that no one could buy in. We were, we were looking to kind of work from um, the more likely to the less likely. I, I don't think we entirely followed that pattern, though. Some of these that uh, I thought would be less likely uh, ended up being more, and some that, uh, that I thought would be, would be pretty likely uh, pe- people, had some, uh, uh, people had some reservations about. I, I, I was surprised to be the outlier on... Uh, life extension, but I'm 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 pleased to to take that to take that position. Any uh, any additional thoughts on any of that uh, from your end, Stephen? No, I, I hope you're right, Phil. I, I, particularly on that life extension, um, you know, uh, to me that's uh, the the great tragedy of uh, of of the world we live in is that you know so many. Uh, well, so you know, this this that's it's a tragedy that touches everybody. You know, everyone has uh, uh, you know elderly relatives and people that they're close to that you know they're fading, and uh, and we lose them, and it just you know that, that's a tragedy. So I mean, we if if we get life extension, that's the, you know that that'll be of all the things that we talked about tonight, that'll that'll be the greatest. I think of all the things we've talked about, that's the one I'm most rooting for. So I guess that probably did color my color my rating of that. But uh, a, a number of good scenarios came up, and I really appreciate um, the the chat room uh, coming up with so many good ideas and uh, and providing us their rankings on these different ideas too. So we'll we'll have an interesting discussion amongst ourselves offline to see who the big winner is of the coveted fast forward radio coffee mug. But uh, Look for that, I guess, probably in the show notes or in a in, in a in a post coming up later in the week, uh, which uh, we will be getting those show notes together. Meanwhile, let's talk about what uh, what music we have to listen to this evening. Well, I went back to Jeff McDougal. Uh, he is the guy who uh, did the uh, brief history of pudding. If you remember right. about Stephen Hawking uh, and 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 why he has not come up with a unified theory yet, that was a great song. I enjoyed it uh, and it had a speculist angle to it as well. Uh, this one also does. Uh, his this is his song, Hi. As in, not like hello, but high as in high up. Um, it's about an astronaut. So I think I think uh, our audience should like it. All right. Well, we'll look forward to listening to "High" by Jeff McDougal. Excuse me, McDougal. Uh, I note that Matt Doing says uh, he hopes we'll be able to recover the patterns of dead people in the indefinite future, all a tippler, giving that about a nine. I love that one. Wish we'd have included that one. Thanks for getting that one in at the last minute, uh, Stephen. Thank you for. 
uh, your contributions this evening. And uh, Michael, to you and to all the uh, our friends in the chat room, thanks so much. And to everyone listening, we look forward to being with you all again on the next Fast Forward Radio. Good night. Mm-hmm.